everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So firstly, I want to give a big thank you and shout out to Curious Painter for the lovely review on Apple Podcasts. So sweet. Thank you so much for the kind words and rating. It truly warmed my heart. And I so appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening. I love getting feedback from you guys to know that I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing. (laughs) But it seems like I'm doing the right thing. (laughs) So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Now, this week's story is one that I've known for most of my life and that I love sharing with any and everyone who wants to listen. Though, again, it's always the details and the little tidbits that I really enjoy learning about when revisiting an old favorite. Every time I tell this story, I always feel a sense of incredible awe for the freedoms that I'm allowed to have every single day. Also, a renewed appreciation for the incredible strength and power in writing, words, and women. To me, stories carry a unique value something that is exclusive to the person listening. I also thought this would be a great story to choose following our Abraham Lincoln series as the two lived during the same time period. So don't worry, guys, I'll be covering non-Civil War related individuals in my next episode. We're actually going to pivot and cover a music figure, a music icon. So I wanted to be sure that from a great suggestion that I received that I'm covering the vast diversity in character and values that are available in all industries, not just in the historic building of America. So please stay tuned for next episode. But the individual in today's story was, above all things, daring and outspoken. Their life's work centered around giving a voice to the silenced and empowering the disenfranchised. This person had to endure awful tragedies, having everything they stood for challenged, risking their life and limb just for the betterment of others. And in spite of all the hate and resistance, they became one of the most iconic figures in our history for taking on generations of stereotypes and discrimination. These stories always hit a bit close to home for me as well, because I love to write and always appreciate a fellow author. So in today's episode, we will be covering the impassioned, the influential, the inspiring Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells was born Ida Bell Wells on July 16th, 1862, in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Ida was the eldest born to James and Lizzie Wells, who had seven other children. All were born enslaved as they lived on a plantation in Mississippi, whom were members of the Confederacy during the Civil War. In the previous episode, we talked a bit about President Lincoln's revolutionary decision to issue the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863, during the Civil War. Ida and her family were officially freed from slavery as they resided in a Confederate state before Ida was one year old. Immediately following the war was the pivotal Reconstruction period, 
where the divided territories of the Union and the Confederacy determined how they would begin to come back together as a single nation. Ida's parents were dutiful and diligent supporters of African-American rights, in particular the right to an education. Ida's father, James, was directly involved in starting and serving on the board of trustees for a school for freed African-Americans. That school, Rust College, is still a notable and active university today, falling under the umbrella of historically Black colleges and universities. Ida would begin her educational career at this school, attending in her early teens. Sadly, heartbreaking circumstances would find Ida early on in life. In 1878, while visiting her grandmother, Ida learned harrowing news. Ida's mother, father, and her youngest sibling, just an infant, had passed away from yellow fever. Her parents' sudden death turned Ida from a teenager with no children into a parent of six. Suffering from the grief and loss of one's parents, it would be understandable for a child to shy away and resist taking on a role with such incredible responsibility. But did Ida shy away from her obligation towards her family? Absolutely not. Ida realized that she had to become the sole provider for herself and her siblings and planned her next steps accordingly. Ida dropped out of school and did the impossible. Although Ida was in her early teens, reportedly to be age 16 at the most at the time of her parents' death, she was able to convince a local county administrator that she was 18 years old and secured a job as a teacher. We can already see how her parents' early influence lived on through Ida's dedication to education. After a few years working in Mississippi, Ida decided to move her family to Memphis, Tennessee, where a close family member currently lived. Around 1884, upon her arrival in Memphis, Ida was able to again secure work as a teacher and began taking classes at the nearby school of Fisk University, located in Nashville. It was on one of her routine train rides from Memphis to Nashville that Ida would experience a fateful event that would light a fire in her that could not be contained for the rest of her days. On this particular day, Ida had purchased a first-class ticket for her commute from Memphis to Nashville. When Ida attempted to board the first-class train and sit in her paid-for seat, the train conductors demanded that she move to another car that was designated for African Americans. Ida, as any sensible person would, refused. She had paid for her ticket and was rightfully entitled to sit in her current place in first class. Naturally, the train operators became enraged. The nation was still so polarized after the Civil War, and although African Americans were free, they were not at all treated as human beings, let alone equals who are afforded basic rights. A Black woman such as Ida standing up for herself was unacceptable, to say the least. Ida was forcibly removed from the train, but not without a fight. It was reported that Ida was able to injure one of the men, though I'm sure not at all what was deserved based on her treatment. But Ida didn't stop the fight there. She filed a lawsuit against the train company and initially won the case and was awarded a settlement. After an appeal to the federal level, the case was overturned and the original verdict vacated. 
Ida lost her settlement and was ordered to pay court costs. It's said that this event was pivotal in motivating Ida to eventually pick up and harness the power of the pen. Ida would write an article about her hard experience with the train company, calling out the injustices and unfair treatment she'd endured. Around 1891, Ida began building her extraordinary career in journalism under the pen name Lola. Ida would write and publish several articles under this pen name, while also acquiring owner's credits for newspaper outlets and maintaining her teaching career. But Ida wrote controversial articles, criticizing the less-than-subpar conditions that were forced upon the segregated schools attended by African Americans. After her school became aware that it was Ida writing these articles, she was promptly let go as a teacher. Although it seemed devastating at the time, this would be one of the best things to happen to Ida. Following her termination, Ida was able to focus her efforts completely on writing and publishing. Ida's spotlight would shine on the many injustices and civil rights issues endured by freed African Americans. One of the more prominent methods of intimidation that were suffered by African Americans at the time was the threat of lynching. A lynching was when a person was hanged, usually by a mob, from a tree or other high spot until they died. These lynchings were usually exacted by local mobs against African Americans for trumped-up or non-existent crimes. One such lynching hit close to home when one of Ida's friends became a victim. After this event, Ida turned her target right on the lynching campaign that was plaguing African Americans. Around 1892, Ida wrote several pieces publicly denouncing lynching and an expose about a particularly terrible lynching in her neighborhood of Memphis. The expose enraged the town residents. Ida's newspaper was stormed and her office, equipment, and peace of mind were all completely destroyed. Luckily, Ida was not present in her home at the time, as she was traveling in order to learn more information about the injustice of lynching nationwide. After learning about the tragic destruction of her newspaper and the threat on her life if she'd ever returned to Memphis, Ida decided to remain in the North. Ida began work for a newspaper titled The New York Age. It was here that Ida published her groundbreaking report of the epidemic of lynching within the country. Ida would publish another pivotal piece titled A Red Record, which again focused on criticizing the practice and basis of lynchings against African Americans. Around 1893, Ida also began to travel overseas to speak on the injustice of lynchings and unfair treatment for African Americans in the United States garnering international support. In this same year, Ida advocated against the World's Columbian Exposition, which had barred African Americans from participation, as well as was perpetuating untrue stereotypes about African Americans. Again, you guys know I love a good timeline cross, so I've had to mention this wonderful tidbit. Ida had written and distributed an article titled the reason why the colored American is not in the world's Columbian Exposition. This endeavor was funded and supported by two very important individuals in Ida's life, her future husband and none other 
than Frederick Douglass. Like, who would have thought that Frederick Douglass was getting around like he was? Like, his life is a testament to the power of networking, I swear. (laughs) I'm just always so amazed by how much overlap there was in history with these individuals. I mean, truly incredible. Ida married her future husband, Ferdinand Barnett, a lawyer and newspaper editor, in 1895. They went on to have four children, all while continuing to participate and advocate to crucial civil rights work. Not only was Ida active in the anti-lynching crusade, but also in the women's rights movement for many years, while also maintaining her family and home life as a mother. Her work never ceased. Through Ida's combined efforts with other like-minded activists, several associations were formed with the mission of furthering African-American issues. For example, Ida is recognized as a founding member of the National Association of Colored Women, the National Equal Rights Leaders, the Negro Fellowship League, as well as the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Ida was also credited with following in her family's legacy in the creation of an African-American school. Towards the end of her life, after working a few years as a member of the Chicago Municipal Court, around 1930, about a year before her death, Ida would go on to run for a position in the Illinois State Senate. While she didn't win, the fact that she even ran was pretty amazing. The woman was a powerhouse. During a time where being an African-American and a woman was equated with weakness. Sadly, on March 25, 1931, Ida B. Wells passed away. She was 68 years old. Ida was often described as ambitious, visionary, and relentless in her pursuit of equal rights for African Americans and women. From the sudden deaths of both of her parents, to her newspaper being destroyed and her life threatened, to the loss of her jobs and constantly seeing her fellow colleagues killed and lynched. How much courage and bravery it must have taken to investigate these lynchings, viewing these atrocities face first at ground zero and still have the tenacity to continue on, to write, to challenge, to put a spotlight on the horror that her people were facing and not to turn away, to tell their stories, so that the victim would never die, but live immortal within her words. Ida B. Wells encompassed so many characteristics that made her a hero, but it was her pledge to the pursuit of truth and justice that really hit home for me. And with her being a journalist, I had to end today's episode on one of her epic and quite, quite moral quotes. The way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon them. And glaringly, unapologetically, brilliantly, turn on the light of truth, Ida did. So you can check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at madeofmetalpodcast and Facebook, the same name. And that's made of metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. If you love the show and you'd like to support my passion for sharing these stories with you, you can support me at buymeacoffee.com 
slash made of metal. We also have a membership program with monthly perks. You can also support by following, subscribing, and reviewing the show wherever you listen to your podcast. So again, it has been wonderful, absolutely a privilege to meet and talk to you guys here every week. I hope that you are gaining as much motivation and inspiration from these stories as I am by sharing them with you. As always, my loves, bloom where you are planted. <laughs>